0: And we are in Genesis chapter 21. From time to time in these podcasts, I'm going to catch you up on the story of God. Remember, the purpose of the 365 Bible Reading Plan is to help us to learn the great panoramic story of God. You see, history is His story. It is the story of God's redemption. It's the story of God's creation, His sustaining of His creation, the fall of man, God's plan of redemption being revealed, the promises, the covenants, and sometimes in the midst of all of the details, we lose sight of the great story. And so I want to remind you of what's going on. We've come through now 20 chapters of Genesis. We haven't read every one, but you followed the storyline. Now I want you to know what has happened, because this is a teaching moment as far as her. Hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is a long fancy word that's used in academia to talk about the way that you discover truth. I have an entire series called Bible Time Classroom that you can learn how to interpret the Bible, how to understand the Bible. It's called How to Read and Understand the Bible 101. And it is a simple class on hermeneutics. How do we Eurisco? How do I I find? How do I discover truth? The Bible is truth, but if we don't know how to read it and how to interpret it in a historical, geographical, contextual light, in its own language in which it's written, it's very easy to get sidetracked, and we don't want to do that in following through this 365 Bible reading plan. And so this is a good opportunity for me to talk to you about the great story. You see, when we left in In chapter 17, chapter 18 opens with the Lord appearing to Abraham at his tent. He came with two other men. There were three men that approached the tent of Abraham as he was in his encampment. While they were there, it was revealed that one of them was God. And they made a statement about Sarah. I'm not going to read all of it, but you know the story. You can just glance back over the first eight verses of chapter 20 if you get an opportunity, because this is very important to help you to understand how historical narrative is written. And in verse 9 of chapter 20, not chapter 21 for our chapter today, you need to read chapter 21. I'm just giving you the background, or otherwise it might not make sense to you. And so in chapter 18, after that great covenant chapter that we just looked at about circumcision and Abraham's name change, the scripture says that these three men appeared to Abraham at his tent door and he went and he did what any Bedouin would do. Anyone of this ancient culture, he would go and make sure they're well fed and give them hospitality. And in verse nine, it says, then they said to him, where is Sarah? your wife. Now, Isn't that amazing? They already knew who Abraham was. So he said here in the tent. Now verse 10 says, and he said, I will certainly, this is God talking. He says, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife shall have a son. Now this is a woman who's 90 years old. Abraham is almost 100, and God said to him, and by the way, you say, how do you know it's God? Well, just keep reading chapter 18, and it's obvious that the word changes from like a man talking, and it uses the word Hashem. It uses the word YHVH, the personal name of the covenant God of the Bible. And so we know that one of the three men, two were angelic hosts that went on down and later destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah and had to pull Lot away. They were angelic beings. That's what the Bible says. But they were walking with God, these two angels. And God stayed back and talked with Abraham. And if you'll recall that Abraham tried to intercede and negotiate and did so that if God would destroy the place for 50 people, would he do it for 45? For 40, for 30, he got down to 10. God said, that's enough. I will spare the city if I can just find 10 righteous. But he couldn't even find 10. And so he, that is the story that's recorded in chapter 18. That begins around chapter 16 with this intercession for the city of Sodom and for Lot. But the scripture says that Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in years, and Sarah had passed the time of childbearing. She had gone through what we call menopause. Therefore, Sarah laughed, look, within herself, within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I find pleasure, my Lord being old also? In other words, are we going to be able to do this and have a child at our age? I mean, are we actually going to act like kids again? This is what she was saying. This is the language language of the bible And so it says, in verse 13, And the Lord said, notice the capitals, L-O-R-D, said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child, since I am old? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? You've heard that quoted over and over again. At the appointed time, now this is very important for understanding chapter 21, At the appointed time I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. This is what God himself told Abraham, and Sarah was listening, she laughed within herself, in her heart. Now that's very important, because the Bible says, but Sarah denied it in saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. Why? Because she understood that she only laughed inside, and only God can see what's on the inside of you. And so uh, she began to be afraid, and he said, no, but you did laugh. And so he was letting her know that he not only knew about Abraham, he knew about Sodom and Gomorrah, he knew about he knew about her heart. And he told her that she had laughed on the inside. But what I want you to see about this is in verses 13 and 14, God said about this time next year, you're going to have a child. Then starting at verse 16, there is what's called in literature a digression. Now, this is in almost every language where people digress. I've already done that a couple of times in this podcast. So you have a storyline that begins. Remember, we're talking about the great story of God. This is a great narrative. So you have chapter 12, and you have a new beginning with Abraham, him being called. Then you have the story of him going into Egypt, having trouble with Pharaoh, coming out a very wealthy man. Then you have the story of him going back to Bethlehem, and then on to what is called Hebron, the Oaks of Mamre. Here we are with Abraham there, and he is sitting in his tent door at Hebron, at Mamre, and all of a sudden these three men show up. They're headed to Sodom and Gomorrah, and they stop and talk with Abraham, and God gives this wonderful promise to Sarah. And then from verse 15, after God says, no, Sarah, you did laugh, from verse 15, Verse 16, all the way through the rest of that chapter, chapter 19, you have how wicked Sodom was. Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. The descendants of Lot, and then you have the story in chapter 20 of Abraham and Abimelech, Abimelech, we call him. All of that is what is called a digression. Why do I call it that? Because chapter 21 picks up. Now, listen to this. This is, you can see this for yourself. You can mark this in your Bible. The last phrase of chapter 18 and verse 15, but Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. What was that all about? Because God had just said, you're going to have next year at an appointed time, you're going to have a child. Now, from that point all the way to chapter 21 and verse 1, we have what's called a digression, and God was filling in the backstory, Why? Because this is his story. He wants you to know that while this was going on, that there were other things because you see, there's a backstory to much of this and the Bible is not complete in details. It doesn't tell us everything that ever happened, but why? Because he's telling a story, the story of redemption. He's telling the story of Abraham and of how Isaac came along and how it was a miracle. And then Isaac had two twins and the younger became the ruler over the older and and the story of Esau and Jacob and then how Jacob's name was, all of this is going somewhere. You say, where's it going? It's going to where Matthew starts the New Testament. And this is the way the entire new covenant starts. Remember, God made a promise to Abram. In chapter 12. In chapter 15, he cut that covenant, that promise was made and sealed with blood. Chapter 17, his name was changed forever to Abraham. And the story goes on from there. The promises, you go to Exodus, you're going to read over and over again. Now listen to this. God will say, I heard the cry of my people Israel, and because of the promises I made to Abraham, then to his son Isaac, and then to Jacob, I'm bringing bringing them out because of the covenant that I made with Abraham. You're going to keep going back to Abraham, keep going back to Abraham. That's why these chapters are so important. And when you come to the gospel of Matthew, the connection between the new covenant and the old covenant is this. Listen to Matthew chapter one and verse one. This is the genealogy. This is the history. This is the story of Jesus the Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach. This is the story of Jesus the Christ, listen, who is the son of David, because we're going to find out David was given an unconditional covenant concerning the establishment of an everlasting kingdom. This is the son of David, who is the son of Abraham. The story goes on. And at the end of the entire book of Revelation, in the closing verses, Jesus hearkens back to this again. He says, in the eternal state, I am the root and the offspring of David. Here again, Jesus is still a Jew in eternity. His Jewishness is forever. Why? Because it is through the loins of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, that Jesus came into the world. This is so critical. And you say, why are you emphasizing this Jewish aspect always? Because the Bible is a Jewish book. Read the introductory material in the 365 Bible plan, and you will see exactly what I'm talking about. The Bible is a Jewish book. It is written by Jews, to Jews, and primarily for Jews. And every Bible writer from Moses to John assumed that the people to whom they were writing understood the language The history, the geography, the cultural context of the day. And so here we are sitting at Mamre, and in chapter 18, after verse 15, you've got backstory. But where that picks up again is in chapter 21. So we're going to read just from Genesis 18-18. Through 15, and then we're going to jump to 21 1 and read down through the first seven verses and see if it doesn't read like a seamless story. Here we go. And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, No. But you did laugh, now 21-1. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. So Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the set time of which God had spoken to him, which he had just spoken in chapter 18 without all of the digression. And Abraham called the name of the son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Yitzhak, laughter, one who causes another to laugh. Then Abraham circumcised his son Yitzhak when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him, and Sarah said, God has made me laugh, and all who hear will laugh with me. They'll rejoice and say, can you believe it? Sarah, that old woman, and Abraham, why, he's 100 years old, and he's still siring children. No, they're going to laugh because they know God did a great miracle for them. This is very, very important because the scripture says, Who would have said to Abraham and Sarah that she would nurse children? For I have born him a son in his old age. Now this is, I hope, what you will remember through this. As you read through this historical narrative called Genesis, and as we read through the historical narrative called Exodus, as we read through the historical narrative in chapters in Leviticus and in Numbers and Deuteronomy, I want you to understand these are real people. This is a real world, and God is a real God. And He meets us where we are, and He takes us to where we need to be. And as you read the story, you're going to see that indeed, God really does have a plan. And part of that plan was to supernaturally, supernaturally, miraculously bring into being the one that He promised to Abraham. Abraham that would carry on the messianic line and would one day that line would produce a savior who would be Messiah God almighty and so this is the story that Israel Jacob's changed name was the son of Isaac who was a miracle. It was a miracle. They shouldn't have had these children. God supernaturally brought Israel into existence through the birth of Isaac. You see, when God does something it is supernatural. There's many things that He allows us to get in on that are just reaping what we sow and following Him. And when we don't follow Him reaping a bad harvest. But what I am telling you is when God does something, He signs His name. He signs his name supernatural. He signs his name miracle. God still works miracles and we would not have been where we are today had God not miraculously miraculously did what he did on the day of Pentecost what he did on the day almost 10 years later when Cornelius the first Gentile was grafted into the great covenantal promises of Abraham not to replace Israel not to replace Israel but to sustain Israel and bless Israel. And that's what we need to be doing. The gospel, the good news is to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. And those of us who have received of the graciousness of God through the Jewish people, What we must do is be good to the Jewish people. People often say to me, well, why are you so enthralled with the Jewish people? Because God is enthralled with the Jewish people. Well, why do you so love the Jewish people? Because my father loves the Jewish people. And I want to love what God loves. You say, well, don't you love the church? Of course, but the church has a different purpose in the plan of God, in the story of redemption. Israel has a unique place. The church, which is made up of Jew and Gentile, has a unique place. But one does not replace the other. As a matter of fact, the Jews were here before the church and they will be here after the church is gone because God promised Abraham, it is through him that all of the earth shall be blessed. Well, next time you must not miss tomorrow because it is about the story of the binding of Isaac. And tomorrow I'm going to speak to you out of chapter 22 about Mount Moriah. And we will hear this the rest of the entire Old Testament. It is the most sacred piece of real estate on planet Earth. For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp.